Welcome to episode 54 of the Through the Point podcast. I apologize for a couple weeks off. I was traveling with my girlfriend, so I wasn't uh, able to record any episodes, but I am now back, and I will be releasing them on a regular basis again, and this one is not to be missed. It is another Tokyo Olympic finalist and new American record holder in Maggie Malone, and we are making some jokes about how I hadn't had her on yet, and it just seemed like it made a lot of sense, but there was really no bad intentions behind it. It just the way scheduling things worked out in the season and everything and obviously I I didn't even want to harass her after the Olympics as well I didn't didn't want to be that guy in the DMs and just start start spamming him but I was really glad to have her on because this is genuinely and just an awesome episode I mean it was funny it was emotional and there was a ton of good insight you could take away from this so I really enjoyed it and I know you guys will too so as always thanks for listening and enjoy I am finally here. It's been long awaited. Megan, I had a good discussion about it before. Two-time Olympian, four-time All-American. I mean, you have so many things in your resume. I'll, I'll start with two-time Olympian because I'd say that's that's the most recent as well. But Maggie Malone, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, good to have you. Man, Scott, I have been waiting for your call for so long. <laughs> I feel like I finally made it. <laughs> yeah, this is really what made you made it. Now you can really say that you've made it in the javelin world. I have. <laughs> exactly look ma i made it man <laughs> and you just had a uh, dinner with johannes better not too long ago as well so i mean you're you're having a great week <laughs> it's been a good week i will i will say that and it's uh it's been a long week but uh after 22 hours of travel we made it here back at work finally in the off season so uh it, it, looking forward to that for sure yeah absolutely and like maybe before we get into your background you just want to talk about I guess that dinner a little bit if you can and then like your journey just your journey back like from Germany or, or, or what you were doing post Olympics. Yeah um, yeah so I, I can start there so I had an opportunity to do kind of my first mini European competition schedule and so I'm really really blessed and thankful that I could do that I had one in Roveretto that was a diamond league meet and then I went to uh, Poland for their continental gold competition uh, and it was awesome it was a blast and so I uh, was in Europe for about a week maybe a little bit longer uh, and ended up throwing 60 something in um, Roveretto and then 6146 for second to Maria, even though she used my javelin to win. <laughs> I keep saying that. I'm like, of course you did. Uh, but that Polish meet was incredible. I had such a blast. I'm definitely going back again. And and yeah, so what was so fun about it is, you know, we had all these incredible athletes there. So, you know, Ryan Krauser, Joe Kovacs, you know, Anderson, all, all these great throwers. Uh, and then afterwards, they had a banquet for us that was super fun and had food and drinks and dancing and all sorts of things. So, you know, when we got back, Johannes is like, Hey, can you save me a seat or sorry, yo-yo, which I still feel uncomfortable <laughs> saying that. So I'm just going to say, so I'm just going to say Mr. Vetter from this point forward. Um, <laughs> no, but we, uh, we sat down at Sam, Sam, my boyfriend and I, and we were eating. And so Johannes came and yeah, just, enjoyed the evening <laughs> absolutely absolutely it, you know it, it just was kind of a wild night started with us talking about your podcast obviously he posted that i wanted to be on it because i did i've been wanting to be on this all the cool kids were so i was having fomo <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I appreciate that. I, the the yeah. some of the best throwers in the world are sitting around dinner talking about my podcast. That makes me feel pretty good. We, so <laughs> well, we did. And and then yeah, by the end of the night, he was FaceTiming my mom on my phone. So, you know, you can kind of fill in the blanks. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great, but it's good. Like I said, good to have you back and good to have you on. Like I said, it was just unintentional, just kind of missed out, but really happy to do it. And like looking at just some of your background when I was doing the research, it's just like your journey has been great. And obviously this season has just been magical probably cooking from an outside perspective. It seems like it was, I'm sure you'd probably say the same, but it, it, it's really awesome. Yeah, I, I'd use the word blessed instead of magical, but yeah, just, you know, super thankful. It My goal, and it's kind of funny, but uh, my goal going into this season, going into the very first meet was that I wanted to throw 60 meters at least one time this season. Like literally that was my goal, Scott, was to throw 60 meters, uh, mainly because I was coming off of a few years of not throwing 60. Uh, the previous season of throwing 53, 54 maybe. And so I didn't know. I just, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I knew that I was working hard and I really trusted my training this year and it ended up being that I threw 61 meters in my first meet and man, God just really blessed the rest of it. And honest for me, I just said, all right, God, like this is your story, not mine. And I'm going to continue to work hard, but let's see what happens. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that's amazing. I did not want to jump the gun, but like, we got to come back to that because of, with those goals okay. and like you said, with everything you did like that, that's crazy. And I don't like, we're so early in the interview that I can't get to your season already, but that's just, that's great. <laughs> Yeah. So do you want to start then just a little bit about your athletic background growing up and then kind of when you got introduced yeah. to Javelin, like, and how'd that go and just how did it happen? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I grew up in a small town. My dad played football mom, was a track athlete. And uh, being in a small town, you know, you, you're kind of forced to do all the sports because that's the team that you have. So I did volleyball, basketball, track, softball, uh, and in track, I was more of a jumper, honestly. So my earliest memories of track and field, I was long jumping. And, um, so in high school, I, you know, we had a really good team. My mom's an incredible coach, like truly is in just a great coach. She's won state championships, many of them. And I got to be on three of the teams and my sister was on a few teams also, but uh, so yeah, I was mainly a long jumper, triple jumper, and then unfortunately ran the four by four because <laughs> she likes to torture me and, uh, and then the 200 as well. So those are my events, loved the jumps, um, you know, was a yard in basketball and outside hitter in volleyball. My first love was definitely volleyball. I wanted to play college volleyball, especially being from Nebraska, right. you know, you see Nebraska as this, I mean, yeah, you're in the big 10, this dominant force still. Uh, and I looked up to those girls. I did every volleyball camp growing up from age, like, gosh, seven to like 18. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I loved volleyball. And I, I think that's where, honestly, some of the throwing mechanics kind of started. And as Chico, my college coach would say the elasticity, um, <laughs> that's what he looks for in, uh, in his javelin throwers slash volleyball players. So definitely, um, was just around sports. And then I was a catcher in softball. So I think that's where, again, throwing mechanics were and just loved it. I loved being a multi-sport athlete. And I think you hear that a lot on this podcast specifically, but uh, I think you hear that a lot from the best athletes that they do a lot of sports and it's good for you. And uh, it helps you, especially as a javelin thrower to 
develop a lot of skills that are needed to throw the javelin. Right, absolutely. And I think you, the that's probably the best combination I've heard of sports because <laughs> I, I've told someone about this before when I had Tim Glover on who I love Tim Glover, but he was talking, I think his three sports were like track and field, baseball and golf, which are all rotational which is great. Oh, yeah. Obviously that's great. And like, he has just an absolute cannon, but you had the jumping component with the softball. So you're like, that's yeah. what I was going to ask is I've seen a lot of people have success coming from the jumps to throwing the yeah. javelin, but not only were you jumping, you were also throwing as well. So you kind of got that like ability yeah. to build up into like an event and then also throw and hit. So it's like, that's a pretty yeah. lethal combination. <laughs> lethal combination man yeah that's 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 funny um yeah I, it's funny to think about it too because yeah all of those sports i loved all of them and i just went from one sport to the next to the next based on the season and you don't realize that you're cultivating these skills that are are really needed to throw the javelin i mean i didn't know what a javelin was until i was 19 years old so i we don't have it in the state of nebraska we don't really do it in summer track or at least my summer club did not have it. I remember there being turbo jabs, but I never could get them to fly. And I, to be honest, still can't get them to fly. <laughs> well, that's comforting because I can't either. So I'm glad you just said oh, that good. and I'm, like, I'm in good company if that's the case, but that's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, I'm a team fin flyer all the way, but uh, oh, that's, that's probably not great to say. <laughs> Anyway, all that to say, um, did those sports and then was recruited to the University of Nebraska by coach Chris Grimes uh, as a heptathlete because of my, um, because of the, the jumping background and sprints. And obviously my mom, she was a heptathlete at Nebraska mm, okay. in the seventies. Uh, she was, I think she's in the hall of fame. She was like one of the first women to get inducted. So she's mega athlete. Coach Pepin was actually her coach in, in college. So um, it's actually pretty funny because he, Coach Pepin, when I was born, he wrote my mom a letter of intent for me. So we still have that. That's crazy. Which I think is just hilarious. That is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was destined to be a, a Husker and then destined to be an Aggie, I think, in my journey. But uh, yeah, so went to the University of Nebraska, became a heptathlete, was embarrassingly bad um but but worked really hard so that's the thing about me is like if i'm in i'm going 110 percent, and it may look ugly but i'm in all the way and so i was right there with all these athletes trying to keep up do the best that i can and was just really really average was redshirted for most of my freshman season indoor and then when we started throwing javelin just them teaching me they were like wow you're picking this up pretty quickly uh, and then we did like a softball test thing and they were like, holy crap, like you just threw that so far. And I was like, I think that's good. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, so we went through the indoor season, was redshirted outdoor season. I um, was at a practice one day and my coach said, hey, if you can throw past this cone, uh, we will take your red shirt off and you can throw a big tens next week. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. Wow. That sounds awesome. Um, because obviously wanted to be a Husker, both my parents were. And so then just threw past the cone, don't know how far it was and went to big tens, ended up getting third, um, and then made it to nationals. And I think I got 10th. So it's a crazy, crazy, just, year and i guess I, I never thought that i would be throwing the javelin that was never on my radar so um 
God had different plans for me. <laughs> yeah, but what a way to start there, really. Like, it, I mean, yeah. a lot of people, myself included, like, I mean, you pick it up somewhat quick, but not quick enough to do what you, like, that's yeah. serious. That top ending, yeah. top 10 in the nation like that. Yeah, I um, I still can't believe it, to be honest. Like, I just, and, and I had great coaches. Like, Coach Grimes is amazing, and Casey Whitty, um, and then, obviously, Carrie Lane. Like, just great coaches that were I, you know, the, the best thing that coach Grimes said when he was recruiting me, he said this to my mom, he came to my volleyball practice and he said, I don't know what we're going to do with her, but I know that we want her. And I love that because he took a chance on me knowing that I was probably not going to be the best heptathlete, um, knowing that I wasn't the best jumper or sprinter or whatever it was, but he saw something in me and gave me my first shot. And I don't know if he knew it was going to be javelin or not but I would not be here today without him saying, Hey, I want to give this person an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that really is great. And that's something that when I've talked to younger athletes, like the message, I mean, just like ask about the college recruiting process, like having someone that's that bought into you that early on is really great. Cause I mean, if you, it'd be one thing, if you somehow got into a summer meet and you threw like 160, yeah. everybody want, is going to want to have you, but he saw that before really yeah. any of that, which I think is like, if you have a coach that really believes in you that early on, that might be the best fit. Yeah, absolutely. And he, I, I mean, coach Grimes is incredible at taking athletes and making them successful, whether it was the heptathlon or pole vault or javelin, he's really talented at identifying athletes that just need a shot and that will work hard and that will do what you ask them to do. And, um, and then it just, you know, it kind of naturally gets laid out at that point. Right. So then what part makes you end up at Texas A&M and how much did your yeah. Instagram handle have to do with it that it'd be Maggie the Aggie Rhymes <laughs> and Maggie the Husker does not? That's so good. Um, yeah, I, so then what happened was after my freshman year, after I got 10th at Nationals, uh, yeah, at Nationals, um, my parents who were still coaching and teaching in Geneva, Nebraska, they uh, got an opportunity to move to College Station, Texas and coach and teach there. Uh, my dad is a football coach. He's coached in Texas way before I was born. Um, he's from Texas originally. And when we were growing up, he would always get schools calling and asking him to come interview, to come coach there. But my mom was steady and just said, no, I want her to be in Nebraska. I want her to grow up in all, all of us, my brother and sister as well to grow up in a small town, be by their grandma, be with their cousins, uh, and, and be in Nebraska. And so, um, she won as most wives do. And, um, and, uh, so then when I graduate or yeah, graduated and was in my freshman year, they got this opportunity and they said, yes, we're going to go teach and coach in college station, Texas. Scott, the same week, the exact same week that that happened, my coach, Chris Grimes calls me up and says, Hey Maggie, you had such a great season, but I want to let you know that I just took an, a, a job opportunity at Texas A&M. And I said, oh, wow, that's awesome for you. I'm so happy. And he said, do you know where Texas A&M is? And I said, I don't. And he said, it's in College Station, Texas. <laughs> I said, wow, my family, they just moved there. That's crazy. <laughs> and he was like, I know that they did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he just kind of left that nugget there for me. And I... Um, you know, I talked to my family and I just said, I feel like I'm supposed to be at AM. And then Coach Grimes said, 
hey, and by the way, you should look at who the javelin coach is. I said, okay. So I look online. It's Juan de la Garza, AKA Chico, AKA the javelin whisperer. And who's had so many athletes that have been the javelin that have been successful national champions. Um, and you know, he's an Olympian, two-time Olympian himself, national record holder. And I was like, wow. So my family moves, my coach just left. And if I were to go there, I would have an opportunity to work with a specific javelin coach who knows the javelin. And I mean, how clear, much clearer can it get? Exactly. Like college station <laughs> is not like New York city yeah. where it's like a huge thing. No. It's like the odds of it ending up in all in that place is yes. just crazy. But like you said, I mean, that's just exactly. a sign. Exactly. And I just, I truly did feel like it was a sign. I felt like God was leading me there. Didn't know why. Um, so I went to coach Pepin. I asked if I could be released. Cause at that time it was prior to the portal. Right. And he said, he said, no, uh, he did not want to release me. <laughs> and, um, I said, okay, I understand. I said, I still want to leave. And he said, well, if you stay for your sophomore year, um, then, and you ask me at the end of your sophomore year, I will release you. No questions asked. I said, okay. Um, so I stayed for that sophomore year. I was an RA. I was, um, like in leadership on the track team and, and SAC and all that kind of stuff. And then had an awesome season. I won big tens that year. I got fourth at nationals, um, and was very torn on whether to leave or not, because I just had had such a successful season. Why would I leave? What, what, why would I change this? But my mom just said, Maggie, just come visit, just come visit A&M. And I was like, no, mom, I, I think I need to stay. Like I was supposed to be a Husker. She's like, just come. So I visited and I mean, I, yeah, I, I couldn't say no. My family was there. I was going to have an opportunity to also get to compete with my sister. She was being recruited as a javelin thrower also um, by Chris Grimes, who recruited me. And so meeting coach Henry, seeing the dynasty of success that they've had talking to Chico, it was like very clear that God was placing me at A&M and was putting me on this journey. So I went back to coach Pepin. I said, Hey, coach Pepin, great year, but I think we got to leave. <laughs> I can't even imagine how tough that was. Yeah, it was really hard. And I know that he probably felt uh, upset and, and I, I mean, I was upset too. It was, it was a hard decision. And, um, and then after I left, I had a lot of regrets because I had a horrible season at AM. But my first year was terrible. I was projected to win nationals to to break a lot of records to be, you know, really, really good and didn't do any of that. Was throwing, you know, five meters below what I had done the previous year. So then I just thought, oh my gosh, I made the biggest mistake of my life. What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of a question that I wanted to go off as well, because it was like on your Wikipedia page that that was your worst season or like that it was a quote from you saying like, yeah, that was the worst season you'd ever had. And I was wondering, like, I mean, you guys, you said it was five meters down and I was gonna say, why did you say that? And then also it said some teammate advice was like, what made you feel better? Is that true? And like, what, I don't know. I can a look teammates at teammates advice. Yeah. It's, they had the person's <laughs> name. I can like do the research for you quick, but it was like, said someone said something to you, uh, it's an incredibly yeah, advice of, her, of, her, of teammate Lyndon Victor with their change of approach to train harder in the summer months. That's what Wikipedia says. Oh, that is hilarious that that says that. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, 
I don't know if that's exactly what happened. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's even funnier because I thought this was gonna be like a huge story. You're like, that's basically fake. <laughs> that's yeah, I mean, Lyndon and I trained every single day together, but it, it, I, I mean, it's definitely more from my my Chico and I had a great conversation, and that's what changed everything. Um, so that's why that's hilarious. And I'm like, did Lyndon write that? <laughs> they edited it in there. They probably did. That's actually awesome. Did Lyndon edit this? <laughs> I love Lyndon. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to message him and tell him that that's in my, <laughs> Wikipedia, that's in my yeah. or my Wikipedia bio. Um, no. So yeah, it was my worst season. I, um, got ninth at nationals, which is the worst place to get. That's and what here's I got. Why, because you, oh, <laughs> so thanks a lot. <laughs> No, no, I'm no, no, no. no, I'm oh kidding. God. I'm kidding. It's I'm funny. So I, sorry. I was, I was, as I've gotten away from it, I've gotten yeah. more okay with it. But like the moment it happened, I was just like, you have to be kidding me. Like, well here, yes, but here's why, here's why ninth is the worst. It's because you don't, <laughs> you're the only person out there. God, I, I'm so sorry. I <laughs> See, I'm gonna laugh at this because here's the thing I have, and people who know me know this, like I will say things and it happens to be the, to the one person that you shouldn't say it to or like around that person. And it happens to me all the time. And I'm like, I'm the worst at it. So that's embarrassing. Anyway, that's really funny. But yeah, go ahead. This is, this is why ninth is the worst. You're the only person on the field who is not a first team all American. You don't score a point for your team. And you have to watch every single person that's out there get their trophy and go through the whole ceremony. All right. So it's horrible. Why they take nine, I don't know. Yeah. And, and but here's my consolation prize is because of COVID, they didn't do the whole ceremony like that. So I didn't have to see, like, I had two go. of the three things happen to me, but not that. Yeah. And like, I was in seventh going into the final. Oh. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, I'm like, all, all we got to do is just kind of hang on here. And then like, yeah. that was when Cade from Auburn. Oh, yeah. He barely he snuck. Off. He barely snuck in. And then he throws 76 and is like almost in first. Yeah. I think. Second. He was in, yeah, he was way up there. And I was just like, well, yeah. 76 was a reach for me anyways. But eighth, eighth, I'm still getting my trophy. And then Benji from oh, no. Dakota State is like, we're, we're pretty good friends now. Like, I I mean, I, I consider him that. I hope he thinks the same of me. But like, we talked a bunch, but he ended up competing <laughs> against each other. I don't know how many times this year, a good number. And he passed me by like, a foot and a half or something like that and, oh. then, and then i'm just sitting ninth and i just like the last throw i tried to do like what the opposite of yep. what you should be doing and just tried you to like, try, to, try harder oh and then it was flying yep. like i looked at the video it's flying like literally vertical and yep. then it was the shortest throw yep. of the competition and i was like well oh well but yeah that's really funny no <laughs> no well you know what scott the trajectory is high for you i think you're you are going to do well you're gonna be fine <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was why, you know, I, and also, you know, I didn't do well at SECs and, and, and mainly it was because of, in my opinion of why it was my worst season is because I was underperforming. I had a, all these expectations from USA track and field news to coaches to whatever it was and, um, to be a really good javelin thrower that year and none of it happened. And then also A&M was supposed to win the national championship and we got third by about three points and guess who's point? Yeah. yeah so so i think that that's what stung and i was devastated absolutely devastated yeah that makes a lot of sense and like that's yeah. crazy because it's like such an individual sport but also like that when you're yeah. like wow like that's like as close to like the team feeling you could have from like any other sport as anything that is like yeah. that was like that could have been me but i mean yeah exactly 
Exactly. So, so then, you know, I am sobbing and, um, I was really upset and Chico, because he is the greatest coach ever. Um, he was like, okay, let's go, let's go sit down. Let's, let's go outside. And I can tell you exactly where I was sitting. So we get to the hotel. It was the Hilton at the time. Um, we're outside on the backside. I can literally see it. We're sitting down and Chico is the person that turned everything around for me. And he said, Maggie, he goes, you have no idea what you are capable of. And he was like, you have no idea what you are able to throw. And this does not define you. He, he said, um, you know, yes, this was a hard season, but we are breaking down habits that you, that we need to, in order for you to throw 60 meters. And I was like, 60 meters. <laughs> I was like, bro, you, you have to go to an insane asylum. Okay. Like 60 meters is a stretch brother. And, um, <laughs> and so he, but he did, he was like, you, he's like, you can throw 60 meters. Um, he was like, I know that if you put in the work and you, if you trust me and trust the process, he was like, I will do everything in my power to make you successful. And that was it. I mean, it was the greatest conversation. He is the best coach ever because in that moment, in just this, this trust and just tr total, just love for Chico and, and knowing that you believe in me, that you, you see something in me and I want to work for you because you want to work for me. And then it just became, you know, to use your word from earlier, it became magic moving into the next season. And so that whole summer, yes, I did train with London Victor. No, he did not. He did not. He was not the reason for all the changes, but he was a part of it. He was my training, training partner because all summer, um, I, I dropped 20 pounds. I literally trained every single day from July 1st to August, 2016, to July 1st of 2015 to August of 2016. So like literally no days off Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, everything. Um, and Lyndon and I got up every single morning in the summer, would train together, would work out, would do yoga, all this, all the stuff. Um, and yeah, it, it went into that first meet didn't know what I was going to throw because I barely threw 53 meters and threw 60 meters. And I was like, I looked at Chico and he goes, thumbs up too. <laughs> that is really incredible. And like you retelling the conversation gave me chills and like, I can't imagine what it, that felt like in that moment. And like, I mean, that is just really like the best form of coaching that someone could like yeah. you just can't ask for more than that because like you could so get the opposite from many many coaches that like if you are supposed yeah. to have all these expectations to underperform it just turns into like a shouting match not a like yeah. want to build you up even more and really like you said put a number on it that you felt was impossible to then immediately yeah. do it at the start of the next season is really really amazing yeah and he here's the thing he never flips the script and says, you did this wrong. You did this, you did this. He's never been the coach that says like, because you're not successful, it's because of you. He's always been the other way of like, what can I do? What are we, what am I not doing? How can I change this for you? You know, and, and I love that about him because in that moment he could have easily just been like, man, your head wasn't in the game. Like you didn't do this or that, but he didn't, he took an, you know, completely different approach and it changed the way that I wanted to train and to compete and, and the way that I believed in myself and my abilities moving forward. 
if Texas A&M needed a selling point or like a commercial, like we can just crop this <laughs> and put it in there because it's just like <laughs> now I want to go to Texas A&M. But that's uh, that's gig really em, Maggie. Awesome. Gig em, gig em, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's outstanding. So, do you want to like? Obviously, you had an incredibly successful college career, but like, is there one highlight that really stands out to you, or like, what was the highlight of yeah. it? Yeah, the highlight was definitely. Um, it was winning nationals, but not that I won nationals. It was that I made, you know, I had hit the 62 meter standard, but then also right after my sister throws a personal best of 57, whatever. Oh, wow. In the same competition at the same place within one throw of each other. And so that still gives me chills to this day of seeing both of us have that success on the same day. She ended up getting third. So Hannah Carson got second, uh, Audrey got third. And there's a picture of, man, why does this keep coming back to Lyndon? But there's a picture of me, Audrey and Lyndon on, this, on the runway. And we are all just embracing because Lyndon sprinted out of the stands and jumped on me after I threw the 62 and Audrey threw well. And we're just there hugging and just like, yeah. I mean, he was literally getting his trophy for winning the decathlon in 2016. He <laughs> jumps off the stands and like tackles us. And that's one of my favorite moments of all time. I mean, I still can like feel Hayward Field and like can feel um, just that entire moment of like, when things are just slow and just absolutely, um, I don't know the word for it, just still and you're like taking everything in and it's like this disbelief and also such like joy and pride. Right. So all the, all the feelings. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's something that Javelin has brought me as well as like those, those memories that'll just last forever. And like those yeah. unique experiences that it's just like you want to live a life that you want to live and that's like a moment where you yeah. really got to do it and, and that's just so cool yeah 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 and I think in that moment specifically is when everything solidified for me of like okay god like this is what hmm. this is what you brought us here for to like be able to not to win not to any of that don't hear me say that but to have this moment with my sister to like get to compete together and to get to compete with my whole family right there and in the stands. And I mean that we would never have had gotten that opportunity if I was at Nebraska, like that just wouldn't have happened. So, right. um, I, that's, that's one of my favorite memories. And I think about that one often for sure. Absolutely. So after that college season, well, you end up going to, I don't even know where to go really with it. I was going to ask if you're, <laughs> your, your transition to post collegiate well, season, but then it's like, then we want to talk about, Scott, I got, I was gonna say I got time so like we can dive in and like yeah I got time so yeah I'm, I'm like trying to pick where I want to go but I mean we could go yeah. like transition to post-collegiate training but then we also have like Olympic trials that year and then Olympics yeah. so, I mean you could maybe you can pick it up from there and think like what do you what do you really think is like the most insightful yeah. or like most you want to talk about yeah probably probably Olympic trials and Olympics I'd yeah. say that and then we'll go in I'll, I can briefly touch on that um do you want to ask a question or do you want me to just dive in? Just dive in. Just take it how you All want right. it. All right. So, um, so then after that, going to Olympic trials and then to uh, the Olympics. So went into the Olympic trials, didn't really know what to expect. I am now in a world that I don't know. I don't understand. There's sponsorships. There's, you know, contracts. There's you know, you don't have a team, there's so much unknown and uh, agents and all that kind of stuff. And so 
I go into trials. Um, I end up signing with Nike at the time and I uh, end up winning the trials. And I was shocked because I'm competing against Kara Winger, who is the greatest American javelin thrower and somebody who I literally learned, you know, throwing the javelin. I watched her videos. And so that was a surreal moment for sure. Um, and ended up winning that and, and made my first Olympic team. Uh, went into Rio with so many expectations um, and, and just all across the board from what I felt like the village should be like. And, you know, you just have this whole idea of what being an Olympian is like, and it's not what you think it is. <laughs> Sorry to burst your bubble. Um, and it's taken years of therapy to get to this point. So I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> um, no, all that, you know, I, uh, I made it to the Olympics. I was so excited. Um, and I, I did, I just felt like, you know, everybody was expecting me to like win or get a medal or whatever it was. And then I got like 25th and it was over like that because I had three throws in the prelims and that was it. So it's, it was done in a blink of an eye and I was, so mortified because it was the worst I had thrown all year. And I felt like people were embarrassed. I felt like I was, I, you know, I was embarrassed of my performance and was really, it was honestly pretty crushing um, because I just felt like nobody wanted to, I don't know, like they didn't want to be a part of my journey anymore because I had failed in, the, in their eyes and in my eyes. And so that kind of, you know, went into, you know, post-collegiate training and, you know, you're learning everything and you're by yourself and you don't know, you know, where meets are and where you're going to travel and how that's going to work and all the, all the things. And at that time also was dealing with a ton of mental health um, issues and, and problems. And, um, you know, that's when I, I, I joked about it, but I did start going to counseling and I, um, it's, yeah, there's just a lot that had happened through 20 from 2016 to like 2020. But I, um, I went through a lot of just identity issues and a lot of identity um, work that I went I, I worked on with my counselor. And specifically, I needed to separate who Maggie was um, separate from Javelin and or the athlete or the Olympian, because for years of my life, I had been introduced as Maggie and she's a great athlete or, and now it was Maggie, the Olympian or Maggie, the collegiate record holder. And I felt like I wasn't living up to that. And I wanted, I, I didn't want that anymore. I didn't want that to be my identity. And, you know, Instagram was a part of it. And I was trying to like get more followers and, you know, post about this and be a part of Nike and all this. Again, I'm like, have this idea of what being an Olympian is like, and it wasn't like that. And it didn't have to be like that. And so at that point, I was like, I don't really want to be a part of Javelin. And also I was having injuries. I had hurt my back. I had hurt my, I fractured my heel. Um, and I just was like, is this even worth it? Like I'm miserable. Like this sport literally brings me zero happiness. And to the point, Scott, where I would get anxiety attacks walking into the track. Like I was like very much struggling with the sport. And Chico and I talked and he was like, Maggie, I think you need a break. Like, I think you just need to take, take some time, heal your body, but also like heal your spirit and your, and your mind. And so that's what I did. And I did a lot of soul searching and 
just figuring out who I was. And that's when I dove into my faith and found a real relationship with Christ. And, um, and then, yeah, just javelin found its way back to my life again. <laughs> that, that is just such an important conversation. And like, I doubt many of the people listening know that or knew that about you, but yeah. then well, like, yeah, n- not only have <laughs> things that you were personally struggling with, but then to be able to address them and like actually take action on it and really do things that benefited your life is like, I mean, that's probably as important as any conversation I've ever had on this podcast. Like really like people don't, yeah. well, don't, thanks. and especially like, and this is someone that, like you said, Nike athlete, Olympian, like people are going to think like yeah. sunshine and roses, yeah, from, but that's like, you're exactly. like complete opposite of that. So it's like, that's yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. And, and it was, cause it was just like a moment of like, you should be so happy. You have everything right now. And I wasn't, I was truly miserable, truly miserable and searching for affirmation from anything and anybody that I could get it from. And I had, I'm so blessed because I had a group of friends that were like, Hey Maggie, you know, like this, this is some heavy stuff. Like, I think that you should get actual help and let, let me help you find that. Let me help you. And so because of them, it really did send off into a, a really good journey of just hard work to figure out who I was, that I was a daughter of Christ and um, that I am saved, that I don't need to earn anybody's love and, and respect or anything like that, but that's not why I'm here on earth. Um, and that javelin, I'm not Maggie Malone, the athlete or the javelin thrower. And it's taken a lot of time to get to that spot. And I really want a lot of athletes to hear that too, who listen. And I don't know what your demographic is, but um, we are so much more than this sport. Um, this is just something that we do. It is not who we are. Uh, and, and something my sister always says to me now, every, every competition, she always texts me. She goes, it's not who you are. It's whose you are. And I'm a daughter of the King. And I think that that gives a lot of perspective into every time I go into a competition now. Absolutely. That, that is just so amazing. Like, I mean, any, it doesn't even matter the demographic because anybody can benefit from that. And, and I think it's like, <laughs> like the best people I've had on. I mean, whatever they, however they put it, they kind of share the same perspective you have is like the best people seem to be like the best ones that also separating themselves from the result. And it's just like, seems like it'd be the opposite. We'd be like, oh, these are the the best in the world. They really are like attached to it. But it's like, maybe part of what lets the best grow is like the ability to do that or like to have that success. Like it's just, yeah. You, you just nailed it. And if you can feel that and capture that and, and replicate that in your life, you, you will be successful because I've been, I have been in a spot where a number would put me into a spiral of what I believed about myself and what I was saying to myself. I was so mean and so just horrible to myself because I didn't throw well. And the bet, I, you, you nailed it. The best don't do that. You take it, you say, okay, well, I didn't have it that day. Let's evaluate and let's move on because I, I still believe that I can do it. I still believe that I can be better. And that doesn't say anything about who I am. That doesn't, that doesn't make Sam love me more. My family love me more. And the friendships that I have, that doesn't do anything to, to that world, right. you know, at all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and then obviously we talked a little bit about your post-collegiate training, but then anyone following you knows you're part of the USA Javelin Project. And do you want to talk about 
because I, I had heard like rumblings from Tom when I was still like talking to him kind of on a regular basis that there was a group like that forming or that he wanted that going on like, yeah but kind of what were the steps to do that and just like what's the dynamic like and just how is what has that done for you and like I guess your career uh yeah so I so the, the way it started was that after um I decided that I you know Javelin found me again in 2018 and you know really it was kind of through Sam and he was like I think you should I think you should try this again I, you know, you're in a really good spot and I was kind of feeling the itch for it again and obviously the Olympics. So, um, so I decided to try to make a run for it. Didn't compete great by any means and didn't have great season, but was working hard and went to, um, a competition and, you know, I have in my journal from 2016, I think, um, that I had wanted to start a training group that I felt like we in Javelin didn't have a space to learn together to work together even if we're not doing the exact same things but to have a space for us to have camaraderie and um and have fun and you know joke together and, and grow together and really work work hard you know let's all work for the same goal even if it doesn't look the same and i was like but sprinters have that and jumpers have that and the Europeans have that in, in Javelin and other throws. You know, why doesn't Javelin in the United States have that? So I have it in my journal from 2016. Flash forward to 2018 in Arizona at this, uh, the Tucson Elite Meet. And I have this like feeling again. Um, and again, I think it's the Holy Spirit moving. And it was like, hey, Maggie, he was like, you should pursue that. I was like, whoa, where did that come from? Because <laughs> um, I was in College Station, I was training, you know, things were fine. And I had just finished my master's in marketing. And so when I'm here, it was like that came up again. And then I went to breakfast and I saw Tom and um, I had this feeling and it was like, you, you should go talk to him, like go talk to him. And so I went to Tom and we were talking and I was like, hey, Tom, like, I, just, I have this weird feeling, but like, would you want to coach me? And he was like, wow, like, I'm so honored that you would ask me. <laughs> and uh, I was like, he was like, well, yeah, I would love to coach you. And I said, okay, what about like me and six other people? And <laughs> he was like, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? Um, and he was like, well, that's a interesting idea. And I was like, well, I really have always wanted to start a training group. I think it's good for the sport. I think it's good for all of us that are trying to make an Olympic team or reach whatever goal we have. Um, and it's good for throwers to be around throwers. And that's kind of my idea and my vision. What do you think? He's like, well, I'd have to talk to my wife, um, <laughs> which if you know, Tom is just a funny answer because Anne is a boss. And, um, <laughs> and so uh, he came back and he's like, Maggie, I'd love to, I think this is a great idea. And so I reached out to Rebecca Wales uh, and Avion and um, and uh, Curtis and I just say, hey guys, like, not sure what you're doing, but you know, I'm thinking about moving to Birmingham, Alabama, which is where Tom was. Uh, that's why I went out there, and I want to start a training group. And so, uh, obviously, Sam he knew about it. He was on the inside, and um, and it worked out great because his family is from Auburn, Alabama, which is like two hours from here. So he was like very willing to come here, and so we all moved up and. Uh, came out to Birmingham and rest is history, I guess. <laughs> and what was great is that the facilities you guys have for the most part, outside of when you had to use that, or like there's that one track that yeah. you kind of like built on your own. Other than that though, I mean like, that's a pretty yeah, nice setup <laughs> like for that. Yeah, it's like no, you yeah. could end up at a high school and like have not a lot. It's like that weight room is like 
Division One level yeah. room it looks like. Yeah, it had like 32 platforms. It was unreal. <laughs> uh, shout out to Hoover High School, which is also known as Hoover University. Um, yeah, they were awesome and so thankful for them and their willingness to let us come and train there. And we had an indoor spot. We had an outdoor spot. We didn't have a, the only negative thing about it was that we didn't have a legit runway. Mm -hmm. So we didn't practice on like an actual runway until middle of the season, maybe. Um, and then we started getting on it every now and then, but that was probably the only downside is we didn't have an actual javelin runway. Yeah. But I mean, even with, and like, sometimes I feel like the training a little gritty like that can almost give you a benefit, yeah. but <laughs> like, that's, yeah, uh, it, that's super cool. And like I said, like, I mean, I've been following, yeah, exactly. And I, I've been connected with Tom basically since my career started and I've been following the group and like, like you said, just having the like-minded people there, like people just doing the same thing, especially when it's such a unique yeah, this is a unique event, like compared to other sports, like the popular to other sports, like yeah. having people like that, and especially people at that level, like by your side, has got to be yeah. awesome. It was awesome, and and yeah, I mean, obviously, we we all live together, also, <laughs> <laughs> so um, that makes it fun too, and, and just to like get to know everybody and and root for them and cheer for them and be in those competitions and knowing that what they've gone through and um, being able to support them and see them succeed, and it's been an awesome year with with um with the group and I just I've had so much fun like I really have had a lot of fun this year and um from the travel to the competitions like it's just been really fun yeah that's great and then obviously this season this is where we can jump into yes. the season it's yes. just like I mean it was incredible and I don't know like I said this is kind of another open-ended one for you I'm just gonna let you take it and like what you think is important but I mean <laughs> this season it was incredible so like I don't know what moments stand out or just like kind of go through a progression of it. Yeah. So um, one of the questions that you and I had talked about offline was like, what changes did I make this mm. season? And um, I made a lot of changes actually. So um, I, I put my, and I've said this on other podcasts, my team of Avengers around me that were the experts in their field. And that would be my first biggest piece of advice to people is that you surround yourself with people who are better than you, who know more than you. Uh, because those are the people that are going to help you be successful. And so I have my own strength coach. I have a nutritionist. I have a mental coach, um, my physio team. Uh, and then Tom is as the technical coach. Um, and so I, Sam, me and our, our strength coach really programmed what we did this year. Um, and to, I, I wanted just more ownership. And I think that that's something, well, Kara actually is one of the athletes that told me that um, a few years ago is that you have to take ownership of your sport. You have to know your sport. You have to know what works for you. You have to learn. Um, and when you're programming and doing all those sorts of things, you have a lot of success a lot of times because you know yourself and it's great to like get outside perspective and, and ask them as well. But in order to be the best, you have to have, you have to have ownership and then be willing to collaborate with other people. Mm -hmm. And so my strength coach, Malcolm Gwilliam at Source Performance is the greatest coach. Um, I love him. I've never worked with a strength coach who is better than him. He is so good. Uh, he believes in individualized training, which is what everybody should be doing. There is no blanket approach to javelin thrower lifting. Um, so I'm sorry to burst your bubble collegiate system, but your athletes are different athletes and they need to be doing individualized training. I will leave it at that. <laughs> um, so, um, so he was great. And then Sam is 
so good at programming and um, he did a ton of work. We both did a lot of work. He did the majority of it of like spreadsheets and planning periods and um, phases and just all sorts of things and figuring out what my weak, weak points were, what my strengths were, what we were going to target, what the um, the focus of the technique was going to be in each training block, how we were going to build it, how we were going to progress it. And that was a game changer. I mean, I would not be having the season that I had without him. I point blank. Uh, and then Tom is an incredible technique coach as well. So having those throwing sessions there and him being able to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm noticing this. Like, are you feeling this? Are you feeling this? Um, that was that was incredible. Also, just to have all those bases covered. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think it's really cool and insightful for the people listening that they can see what a big time thrower is like what it really goes into it. Like you said, like you're addressing all facets. It's not like, you're like all right, I got my technical coach, my lifting coach. It's like there's no. There's other parts, a like a lot of other parts that go into that. And like, yeah, they're just as important, if not more important, really at that point. Yeah. Yeah. No, they are. Nutrition is a huge piece. Um, my nutritionist slash metabolic analyst, she's amazing. I, I also found out in 2018 that I have an autoimmune issue. And so she is, that's how I got connected with her. But she's also um, just like a performance uh, type nutritionist too. So she was helping me, you know, really maintain or not maintain but um just you know be healthy from the autoimmune side and right. figure out what's going on but then also once we ha had that under control we could say okay now let's let's help you hit peak performance and that's what i mean she's she is so good like my gosh uh, the most like knowledgeable person i've ever met um i love her cynthia monteleone is her name and so we've been working together. We'll still work together. And um, she's been she's been great at keeping me healthy yeah. and strong. So so, yeah, she was a big piece. And I do think that it's great to have all the pieces in check. So I, I, to, to answer that question from earlier, that's what really made this year different is that we had ownership over our training. Um, we worked hard on knowing exactly what we were doing, um, because now what we can do is evaluate, OK, what went well, what didn't go well. And let's change things. You know, you're changing. And he, Johannes Vetter told me this this week. He said, "You change small things." He said, "You are doing good." He said, "You change one to two things." You know, that's that's it. And so that's kind of a focus that we'll have going into 2022 is those small changes of how we can address them and and how we can sharpen um, moving forward. That's yeah, that's great. Like I don't have anything else to say. That's just great. Like that's exactly how <laughs> I feel like people i don't think not or not enough people have that mentality of like i just see yeah. that just seems like there's so much of like spinning wheels and doing same like not making those changes like you obviously had that great season where it's like i mean yeah. honestly probably a lot of it is just right like that's just like just keep doing that and but you <laughs> said there's like small things you might want to change but there's like when things aren't yeah. going right like you were just like let's have an analytical approach and how yes. can we, what can, what part is missing so that we can just get better and yes. not like putting yep. an ego to it. And like, and oh not, not talking about you personally, but just in general, like just like having like, no, this you is my are... way, this is right. We're only doing this yep. because this is what you're supposed to do. And it's like, you're like, no, like I, like you said, knowing yourself, maybe the, and like so many things can work for so many different people that like, it's really hard to tell people they're wrong. It's like, all that yep. matters is, are you getting better? And you had a, a yep. crazy season. So it's like what you did worked. So yeah. Well, thank you. And and you nailed it too. You cannot have ego in the game. All right. And that's why I love the people that I work with. 
that, you know, my strength coach has zero ego and is like, okay, what, what do you need? What, how can we address this? Like what, what ideas? And, uh, capers told me this and I'm going to use it to the day I die. Ego is not the amigo. And I'm going to use that for forever. I was like, you are right. <laughs> That's great. And then capers is just awesome to begin with. He's hilarious, but. Oh my gosh. I love him. Yeah. Um, I guess then like, I mean, this is such an obvious question to ask, but just like, how does it feel to break the American <laughs> record? And just like, how was that moment? And like, I remember like, I think, I think we were on a bus for like one of our meets or something. And I was just like, oh. like people just checking the results. And I was just like, uh, okay. <laughs> like I just, there was literally like text to my phone, probably like Maggie just did yeah. this. And I was like, oh yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's crazy. But like, how did that obviously yeah. feel? And like Kara was there, correct? Yeah. Like how incredible. And I, I love Kara so much. I mean, she is the most empowering and like, just truly one of the, the greatest role models that I have because how she was so encouraging towards me after I broke the record and that she was there and like that it had stood for so long and that she, she said to me, and I love her, she said, Maggie, I've been waiting for that record to go down. Like this is a this is a big deal. And so many people would not take that approach at all. But Kara Winger does. And it makes me, you know, when somebody when somebody breaks my American record at some point, you know, whether it's tomorrow or years from now, I want to have that same spirit of like, that's this is awesome. This is great for women's javelin in the United States. Mm -hmm. And and I I want somebody to break that as well. And so she just she always is such a trailblazer and she's taught me so much. But but yeah, breaking an American record, I was not prepared. <laughs> um, I thought 66 was an untouchable number. I really did. I had thrown obviously the season I I had a good progression because I went like 61, 62, 62, 63, and then 66. Um, and so I was I was trying to hit 64. You know, I was trying to hit 64 meters, make that Olympic team. And um, my first throw at that meet was far out the right sector. So I didn't <laughs> lose my throws. I like to throw out that right sector. If you're sitting on the right line, you may get stabbed. Um, <laughs> But the second throw just made one technical change. I just tried to stay closed a little bit longer. Um, and I added just a little bit more speed because what I noticed is that in my 63 meter throw, um, I, I had room to, to push from the back more. And so I brought a little bit more speed from the back and I just trusted it. And I've been working with that on my, with my mental coach, just like trust it, trust it, trust it. And so I did and it went 66 and uh, the number came up and I lost it. I just was like, you have got to be kidding me. Like, God, I wanted to start this season with 55 meters. Like I would have been happy with that. And I just threw 66, like, God, you are so incredible. Thank you. Like that is, that was it. I just, I still am in disbelief. Yeah, that, that's incredible. And like you said, like when the board shows up with something, you just, could not imagine it's yeah. just like that's that's really a surreal moment i was like did they mismark that like, <laughs> <laughs> like what yeah it's crazy so then once you have that and then you start well then you know like you're in 
basically like well you well you don't you don't know you're in you don't know you're in you feel, <laughs> yeah because any because that's the thing about javelin it only takes one throw all right it only takes one throw for you to solidify um and you know with the point system and everything i still needed to be in the top three um for right, the most, right, i mean right, right. yes i yes i had the standard but I, to solidify it be in that top three at trials and so that's that's what the next focus was okay game on let's be in that top three and then so what's your mindset then going into that like obviously you're trying to throw as far as possible no one's going to go out there and not try and throw as far as possible but are you like yeah. does your mindset shift once you have the standard and you're at the trials and just like trying to do like you're trying to do something yeah. else or so, is it just the same as any other meet yeah um yeah people can say that it's just any other meet but it's not and they're fooling themselves when they say that <laughs> um because there is going to be pressure like there just is it's it's the trials it's the olympics so if you go in and like it's just another meet well okay um <laughs> but i would you know so my brother had passed away that week um just pretty unexpectedly so my mindset was pretty all over the place honestly at trials um he had committed suicide um so it was just a pretty devastating week honestly um had been dealing with a lot of mental health um issues and and so um went into the trials and was trying to be you know just as focused as you can be um and also really wanting to be with my family uh, so i knew i had a mission and that mission was you take one throw in the in the preliminary day and let's get into the finals and then the finals like let's compete for top three but after that i needed a break like i i right. could i needed to to separate um but yeah so it was a hard it was a hard week um and thankfully was able to take one throw got into the finals had a rough finals man i was trying so hard i really was because i was like oh my gosh like why am i not throwing far like i need to be throwing far I felt really slow on the runway and what i what had happened was that i moved my mark back farther because i thought that i could bring more speed but because of the the runway is not mondo the runway is really soft and hopefully they change that at oregon um because it's really bad to throw on it's too soft it's like um absorbs absorbs energy instead of pushes you forward like you would on mondo um i think i was just like slow and heavy and it was hot and i just was not running well and um and so finally on my fifth throw i was like all right maggie just freaking go for it like <laughs> are you gonna break like bring it or not okay and so i um i just kind of brought it and held on to it at the the speed down the runway and ended up throwing 63 something um which ended up winning and and broke the olympic trials record which i was again i'm like god like <laughs> how are you how are you doing this like this is i do not deserve this i cannot believe this like it truly was this whole year has truly just been like a a like wow god you are amazing and i don't deserve this and but it has truly been my just my feeling all year it really has been yeah that is really awesome and like knowing everything you're going through at that time and to be able to do that and just like like you said just have this year and like yeah that, that's just awesome yeah and then... yeah one of the best parts too my i asked my dad i was like um i was like dad like this is so hard like i don't like what do i do like i, I couldn't go to the funeral the funeral was the week of trials too and um my dad just said you know what maggie he said when you're out there you say this one's for you matt 
And so I did that on my 63 meter throw and it went 63 meters. I said, this one's for you, Matt. And uh, it's hard for me not to think that he was a part, he was not a part of that. Right, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. This is probably the most emotional I've gotten on one of these interviews. This is <laughs> stuff, but it's, I mean, again. yeah, I know. <laughs> this is, but it's just like, yeah, it's been a super real interview and obviously there's still more to go, but like, this is, this has been awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's probably a longer one. So I apologize if no, it's too long. <laughs> I, I did a survey to get what people wanted from the thing. And they said, they don't care the length of the interview as long as it's interesting and i would say this is interesting so interesting? maybe maybe i'm biased because i'm the one recording it and it's my podcast but i think it's interesting so i don't think oh, people good. care if it goes long no but it, it's, it's really okay. good okay good <laughs> so do you want to talk then about uh like just tokyo as a whole like anything yeah. that jumps out there and just like post competition feelings from that yeah for sure um so tokyo was amazing i definitely want to go back um I just have so much respect for the Japanese volunteers and um, their Olympic committee that put everything together in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, we never thought that we, we were even going to be able to compete there. And so what they were able to pull off is just absolutely beautiful. And uh, it was one of the coolest places that I've gotten to compete. Um, mindset going into Tokyo was that I had a, a real shot at meddling. Um, I had just thrown 6740 and I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't want to forget that part either. That's uh, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I just felt like I could do it. I was like, wow, like you're, you're in this. And it was a very different feeling than in 2016. 2016 was I had expectations from other people, but I knew that I would have to throw my best in order to make finals. This time around, I was like, my min my average this year would get me into the top five. And so I was really, really believing that if it, you know, you know, obviously God, it's your will, not that my will, but I felt like I could get a medal. So mindset going into um, the prelims was you hit 63 meters and let's get out of there. All right, 63 meters and let's go out. Um, Justin St. Clair, he was my coach for the Olympics, who is the best. I love him so much. Uh, he's at Nebraska, which I was just going to say that full, yep. full circle. <laughs> <round>. <laughs> what? Like, God, you are so cool. Um, and so he is coaching me there. I, I wanted him. I asked him, um, you know, can you will you be there for me? Cause I knew Tom wasn't going to be able to come. And so I was like, I need somebody to be there just for support. And like, I don't need you to give me any technical advice. I just need you to be a good, like a coach for me. And he said, Hey Maggie, anything you need. He was like, I will be that person for you hundred percent. I will help you get whatever you need done. And so he was awesome. I just love him so much. Um, we went into prelims. I, felt ready. I knew what to expect because um, in 2016, I didn't know that when you, so when you're competing in the Olympics or just in European meets in general, you will warm up outside of the stadium. I did not know that. <laughs> All right. That was new to me in 2016. Um, so you're, you're throwing like outside in the field, like you're doing all your picks and everything out there. 
And so I knew what to expect. I knew what the timeline was. I knew what the call rooms looked like. I, I knew what the atmosphere was going to be. And so I felt extremely ready for that prelim. And I knew that all I needed to do was throw 63 meters. So I went out there, hit 63. It was at a negative angle. It was a horrible throw, but it went 6307. And I was, I was so excited, but mainly because I had battled all season with this internal narrative that I was telling myself that I wasn't, I wasn't an international thrower, that I wasn't Carol Wiener, that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't as good as these girls. And so I wanted to go into prelims and I wanted to prove to myself that I could play with the big girls, that I was an international thrower. And so that moment of throwing 6307 and coming away with the second, the best mark, second best mark in prelims, I just felt like, all right, like that, that is exactly what I needed to prove that like, I can do this. I, I don't deserve to be with these girls, but I can compete with them. Um, and I think that was something that I struggled with after 2016, when I didn't make the, the prelim or excuse me, the final, and I just, you know, it brought up all that emotion. And so had that, had the few days in between, focused on recovery, focused on everything um, mentally to, to get ready, went to the final, had an awesome warm up, um, went to the stadium, I had two throws, 165 meters, 166 meters, which sucked. Damn. And um, yeah, so that one, that, that hurt. Um, and then the things that I learned in the final, I didn't realize how much time you have. So from the time that I had my last warm up throw to the time that I threw my competition throw was 30 minutes. Wow. I never, yeah, I had never had 30 minutes. And I was like, what do you do? Like, and also everyone is so intense. Okay. I was there. I was trying to be light and like ready. Like the <laughs> prelim was very different than the final atmosphere. I was like, who are these women? Like, <laughs> yeah. my God, um, like we were just chilling and hanging, like we we're joking two days ago. No. Okay. Yeah. Um, so everybody's so intense and the atmosphere is very different. The, the lag time. I mean, you're waiting for introductions. You're waiting for, um, metal ceremonies. The 10 K is happening. All of these events are happening that are stopping the competition. And I think, you know, Justin and I talked about it after, I think I just lost the feeling on the runway and of the javelin and I started, I, tr I started trying to throw hard mm -hmm. and not focus on myself, which is what I had done all year was focus on what I can do on my cues on me. And instead I was so consumed at what everybody else was throwing. And when I was hearing 66, 65, what 64, I was like, well, she wasn't supposed to throw that she wasn't, she's not done that this year. And I think it freaked me out. Mm -hmm. And I started to having to throw harder and I started tensing up versus throwing freely, which has kind of been my mantra all year was throw freely. And, uh, and then the three throws went and ended like that. <laughs> That's the craziest part that I've heard from like, I when I had Sean Fury and Cyrus and stuff, and they all talked is like yeah. how fat, I mean, granted they were talking but just the th how fast three throws yeah, can yeah, go yeah. like how fast can three yeah. throws happen and it's just like really crazy how yeah. it happens like it really does seem yeah like, it, i mean obviously i haven't been on that like big of a stage but i mean it it can happen like that and, and it's really it does you don't expect that yeah and i found myself sitting with kristen husong who had thrown 69 meters that year or this year 
And we sat there and both extremely upset, obviously, and then had to make the walk of shame through the media. And then you're being asked questions. And I was doing great until somebody asked me, um, what, what do you think, uh, your team would say about your performance today or something like that. Um, meaning my, the people that I like, you know, work with. And I was like, what? Like, I think they'd say that they're proud of me. I don't know. (laughs) The part about that, that I think is like, not, not funny, but like, that's like such a, like, as a javelin thrower, like you don't really get that type of press where that's like something that like maybe like an NBA player, NFL player has to deal with all the time. Like they go on Twitter, they do bad. Everyone's doing it. Like we don't really have that. So like, that is just like, Oh my God. Yeah. And then I was like underneath the stadium and, you know, somebody asked me, you know, can you, can you explain like what you're feeling right now after throwing 67 meters this year? Like, what are you feeling? And I was like, (laughs) you're the meanest person in the world. <laughs> That's what I'm feeling. <laughs> wow. You're yeah. horrible. <laughs> no, I know that they're doing their job. And, um, you know, this is just, it's all a learning moment. Um, I know what I'll do differently. Um, I know how I will approach the, the final. Um, I'll, you know, what? one thing that I saw was Maria, um, and I cannot say her last name. We're friends now, but I'm just going to say Andrew Juzik. Um, she approached it by, you know, where the runway was. She went off to the side. She looked away from the, the, the runway, and she kind of set up camp. And the reason why she does that is to not be engaged with what everybody else is throwing, but to focus on her, focus on her breathing, focus on mental her side and that's what I would do and not be so consumed with everybody else um and then I would know what my cues and my game plan were and just I would have a very clear plan I I was ready clearly I threw well in the warm-up I was ready but mentally and um I didn't know what to expect and now that I've been in it I have a better you know it's all a learning game from now like I've learned it I know what I would do different let's improve on it let's make the final in Paris 2024 god willing and uh let's try to get a medal (laughs) absolutely and and like you said like each experience you had you picked up more and it's like yeah this maybe wasn't exactly what you wanted this year but you also yeah greatly 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 built on 2016 the trend we're trending I don't want to say anything we're trending in a good direction but I mean that's great and we were with um Kelsey, Barber, and Mike, and uh, Mike told us that at, before she threw in the prelims or the finals, one of them, he said, hey, you're not the defending world champ. Like, yeah, you, that was world championships, but your last Olympics, you got 28. He said, you're the defending 28er. <laughs> and I was like, you are, that was good. That was so clever. And then obviously, you know, she does incredible and gets herself a medal, gets third place. And uh yeah I think that's the perspective like I'm not anything I'm the defending 25th placer like (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah I love that and I think that's like one thing I've learned from talking to you for this however long we've been talking but like that you just like are not just letting these things happen you're also having big takeaways like throughout your entire career it's like that's Mm -hmm. just I mean that's just if there's one lesson from all of this it's like maybe people won't go through the exact same situations but like yeah to just like not just experience something and then just be like that was great or that sucked but then to also take something away from it 
and how can it improve yeah. you forward, especially if you're trying to have a long career? Yeah, I don't think that you can automatically judge it, you know, it, whether it's good or bad, because there's going to be something that you can learn in every situation. And um, my strength coach texted me after uh, the final and he said, he, you know, he's good job, blah, blah, blah. He said, hey, there's a rule in life. He said, win or learn. And that's exactly what I felt. I was like, you know, yeah, you can, yes, you can win. You can learn something from winning, but you're going to learn way more from the hard times, from the failure, failure in quotes. Um, and I felt like that's where I was at. And I was going to take something away from this and I was going to get stronger for the next time around um, because I learned so much that, and I gained so much more than if I would have won the competition. That's how I felt. Absolutely. Yeah. And like we said, the trend is looking good. So we're just going to leave it at that right now. It's only 2021. So we're just going to leave it there. But oh, the trend is looking Scott. good. Thanks, Scott. <laughs> I wanted to jump into a few of the Instagram questions. Like I said, I don't care how long okay. it goes, but just to like get, yeah. it going, get it going a little bit. But no, it's been a really, really get nice. Energy. Genuinely, it, it has been great. Yeah. But okay. I, I guess you want to go with like your javelin selection because someone wanted to know, they said, what do you like about the OT okay. 6.1 flex red jab? And then have you tried the carbon one? Like, what is what goes into your javelin selection like what do you like when you're throwing did gill athletics ask this like that is so it was specific. not it was not gill <laughs> athletics it really was not okay but. i love it um yeah so i um it's the ote tailwind is what i've been using uh, it has the blunt tip um and i love it i love that it it, it has a better flex for me so when i miss um it's it doesn't miss too much in the air. So uh, I tend to throw high sometimes and uh, I've gotten better. I'm throwing through the point better. Through the point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, when I, when I do throw high, it still is able to have some good distance on it, which is great. So um, what has happened with um, like the Nemeth or shoot, I cannot throw a Nordic for my life. Um, <laughs> but what has happened is uh, in those stiffer jabs, some of the time, like I just don't have um, the angle for it a lot right. of times. Like when I miss, it's it's a miss. It's so bad. Um, but when I hit it, when I hit like my Nemeth 75, because I have a Nemeth 75 also, uh, it's great. It, it takes off great. It flies through the air. Um, it doesn't turn over as fast as my OTE will, but my OTE has been pretty steady all year, right. um, which is why I continue to use it. Um, and then I haven't tried the carbon. However, I am going to be trying the carbon. Um, Sam did some research on what javelin throwers should be throwing based on their skill sets and whatnot. And um, we pieced together kind of a game plan for me of, you know, what my strengths are and how I throw. And the carbon is supposed to be in my strong wheelhouse really carbon carbons have not generally been uh my favorite javelins to throw but i'm willing to try <laughs> and, and like i said i'm not at your level but carbons have also treated me horribly because i feel like we have the yeah. same at least flight like it sounds like we're yeah. in similar things where it's like that, that's how yeah, I, yeah. if i miss that's how i miss too and carbons seem to basically bully me like they just bully me and They're it goes absolutely nowhere but <laughs> Yeah, carbons, uh, carbons are very unforgiving. Uh, and I need, I need a little bit of forgiveness. All right. <laughs> yes, I agree. 100%. <laughs> someone, I guess we talked about your technical revelations and then someone wanted yeah. to know if there was anything you wish you would have done or like you wish you could have done differently 
like knowing what you know now from the Olympics, is there anything you would have changed? And it doesn't have to be about the meet. It could just be about the experience too. Um, honestly, no, I, I think I prepared really well. Uh, I brought my own mattress pad. So I, uh, when Ooh. we found out about those, yeah. Um, when we found out about the, uh, rough bed situation, Sam was like, let's buy a uh, Tempur-Pedic mattress pad. So we bought that, stuffed it in my suitcase and then brought it to Tokyo. And I slept on that. And I'm so happy that I did because I don't think my back would have done well. Um, so that was, that was good. Uh, I'm, I spent most of my time at the high performance center, which is an offsite, just United States center for training. So okay. there's, um, a lot of athletes, so there's the village and then there's like the track that most countries will train at. And then because we're the United States, we're very blessed um, financially. Right. We can have an out, we can have an outside source that has food, has, um, you know, massage and, and therapy and all, all sauna, sorry, sauna, um, and, uh, ice tub and all sorts of things. And so just United States athletes can train there. So soccer's there, swimming's there, track and field archery, you know, anything. Uh, we're all at this center. And so I spent most of my time there because the village was a little too big for me. I just felt like it, I was overstimulated and I wanted to be small. I wanted to keep things small. That was kind of something I worked with my mental coach on how to keep things small. And so I would spend most of my time there. I would do yoga. I would work out. I would watch Netflix, you know, just the normal things do, do my, uh, recovery work. Um, and then I guess the only thing I would change is what I talked about earlier about um, in the competition, just being away from the competition, not mm -hmm. being so uh, obsessed and involved with what they were throwing and where I was. Um, but I do want to address the technical revelations because there's a couple things that I did change this year. Um, one was uh, to be tall in my uh, in my throw. So when I would get low, I would really start to throw high and I would sit on my right foot before I'd hit my left. So I would, my uh, posture would be tall, uh, throughout the, uh, the run. I worked a ton on my runway work. So we did rhythms all year runs all year. We were getting very, very good at the run. Um, and so just the rhythm, 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 that was something that I, I had a huge technical revelation on. So just feeling the rhythm, being so confident in that. So tall, rhythm and then something that we're going to continue to work on next year is to be just a little bit more closed um and have tension um more tension shout out to johannes that was his word um through, uh, through just my torso and and um my left shoulder i really think the runway part is part especially in the u.s i think that gets like kind of glossed over I, I, people know it it's important but they don't like no, it is no, important. We're as so important as it yep. is. Like, <laughs> yep, we are so focused about the end that we neglect what gets you to that result, um, which is the run. The run is, I would say, like eighty percent of the throw is the run, and the twenty percent is the actual throw. That's truly what I would say. And um, we're so focused on the end of it and and how to get to the reverse. And everybody has all these ideas. Everybody's got their own thoughts. Um, but you have to focus on the run. The run is what's going to set you up to get there. And then the rest is a reaction. Like you can fix a couple things, but the run is going to do most of the work. Yep. I think that's great. And like, that's yeah part of like what can get you those 66, 67 meter throws is like, that's yeah. a lot of times that's a difference. And like, per, like personally, I've seen that, like even in my throws, like yeah. I'll throw whatever 
and then like you just change the run i didn't think of anything different than the rest of it and like you actually like, yeah. carry momentum for once and all of a sudden you get throws yeah. that you didn't know you're capable of and it's just like oh that's, yeah yeah that's yeah and rhythm doesn't yeah i was gonna say in the run and rhythm doesn't mean full out speed all right like we're not going like balls out here we're feeling rhythm that we can carry and we can we can hold for our throw like that's that's what the rhythm is and that was all sam sam put so much focus on that and he was like this is where we're going to make up the meters this year is in the run and i'm like you're brilliant i know nothing <laughs> like sam is like a I don't know, well, low key to me, but high key to you, I guess a genius. Like the fact that he, he is the genius. mattress pad thing is just mind blowing. That I it's know. Like, who thinks I of know. that? But that is just so smart. Like that's great. He is. He is so smart. And my my roommate in the village, Anna Cockrell, she went to USC. She got when I pulled out my um when I pulled out the mattress pad, she goes, hmm, chess, not checkers. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That is great. I love her. I was like, yeah. <laughs> that's absolute yeah, genius it was good so but yeah and then i just kept my nutrition the same too at, at, at the village so i brought my own like snacks and food and supplements like i brought a lot of that with me um and and stayed on my diet i'm very very strict on my diet and, and i think that's nice too because obviously the environment is going to be mm -hmm. crazy but to have that like yeah. that's at least some form of continuity yes that yeah like, what you're yep. used to Oh, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, that's really, really smart, too. Wrapping up here, who would you say is your favorite thrower of all time and why? Sam Harden, because he's my boyfriend. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 um, but he is one of my favorite throwers. Um, so my favorite thrower is Kara Winger. <laughs> nice. Uh, be because she is a trailblazer in this this sport. I've learned so much from her videos. Uh, she was the first video that I ever watched of somebody throwing the javelin, not Barbara Spitakova, you know, nope, not Christina Obergefell, but Carol Winger. And she was somebody that I always aspired to, to be like, you know, to compete alongside her to, um, you know, at, at, you know, to, to try to break her record. Like she is, she's the greatest thrower. And I'm so honored that I, Got to be on two teams with her that she has taught me so much and um and i'm so thankful to uh to get to follow in her footsteps absolutely and i mean i am also like i don't three times three four times i had carry on and like she's always just been like like you said the most genuine person obviously incredibly accomplished thrower too but just like yeah Kara's great i can't i don't think anyone can argue yeah, that and, answer that's just it, it's great and she's taught me like even even through like her trials and and you know things that she has gone through like she has so much wisdom in that and she's i mean she's the one that said like you have to take ownership of your training like you have to have people around you that you trust um you know she's just given me a lot of nuggets along the way that have helped me create a an environment and and create a system that i wanted that i wanted to build um but it's from her advice that all of this got created absolutely Maggie, this has been an outstanding interview. I'm glad I finally, we were finally able to get this set up, but it, it really was, really was awesome. So thank you so much for doing it. Yeah, no, for sure. Are you going to do your last question? Oh, you're right. I skipped we, it. We, we have to. We have we to. Have oh, to. we do have to. We do have yeah, yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so do that and then do the, do the end. Yeah. yeah and you anonymous. can say final question. Yeah, exactly. Real final <laughs> question. 
uh, an anonymous person will not name him asked who your favorite German thrower is. So go ahead. My favorite German thrower, um, Thomas Roller, possibly. Yeah, no, he's great. Like I think he's the, yeah, he's the top. Like can't think of anyone else. <laughs> um, let me think. Thomas Roller, and then I would say um, Hoffman, Andres Hoffman, um, and then I would say uh, Christina Obergefell. Um, yeah, I think that that might be it. Not yeah. missing anybody. That nope, that's all that comes I don't to think mind. So. <laughs> nope, none, zero. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That's hilarious. We're just trolling him better, obviously, asking the question. It's cool. It was like cool when I see Johannes Vetter mentioned you in their story the other day. And I was like <laughs> sitting on the couch. And I'm like, well, I'm assuming this is a good thing. I have no idea what's going to be behind this like notification. Yeah. And then I get there. I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. And then he like submits his question. He's like, who's your favorite German thrower? And has like, I don't know how to describe it because this is a audio podcast, but like the crazy face emoji is here. That's at the end. He just like has, has his tongue out. I'm just like, that's just perfect. But it's like oh still gosh. kind of surreal to me that like I got like vetters asking like he's watching my story and then commenting yeah. on it too like that's super cool but yeah no, he's he's well, great. I I I guess I am obligated to say Johannes Vetter you are my favorite German javelin thrower I guess German <laughs> thrower um I will say with a nice eye roll that you cannot see <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious well, that was yeah. actually, I'm glad you reminded me and caught that one. We can't skip out on that one. Yeah. Can't leave him hanging. Well, I I had to because he also messaged me. He was like, you're going to like this question that I just sent. I was like, what did you send? And he was like, don't forget who your favorite German javelin thrower is. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, man. What a good dude. And he's all right. <laughs> Maggie, thank you so much. No, thank you, Scott. This is awesome. And I, I love what you're doing because this is good for the sport. And so many, I mean, I've learned so much just listening to the guests that you've had on and it's, it's truly been a highlight. Our house, the USA Javelin Project house loves it. So uh, thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thank you so much. Coast to coast, where I do the most, promise I ain't going ghost on your boat. If I make it out the town, no, I'm gonna keep you around, swear to God I'm not gonna switch on your hoe.